Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Freedom Podcast. Wonderful to be with you today. We're going to be discussing empowerment. I like the word, Beverly. Well, it's an E word. And, you know, there's always a lot of energy in these podcasts. And Kent has been at it for a minute, so he is raring to go. We are so (laughs) excited about this third element. We have already learned about our identity. We've learned about alignment. And now we're going to learn how to be empowered so we can go on to our next, which is our fourth upcoming next week podcast about what now? Assignment. That's the one you like. It is the one I like. Well, I like it specifically because of one key. So get ready. Fasten your seatbelts. We're so excited to be with you. We're going to be discussing a little bit of how we landed on this principle as a as one of the four principles of transformation. And then we're also going to be discussing two or three topics within that, which hopefully will be a blessing to you. Beverly uh, starts us out each time with a bit of poetry, and she's got one today called Humanity. Humanity. And this is my perspectives trilogy, which is actually quite interesting for me to pick up and read several years later, because apparently I was going through a lot of really illuminating things. So this is humanity. There is always hidden context in the masculine and feminine vortex. Docile and dominant both forms. One laughs while the other scorns. Well-worn aphorisms don't apply. Universal communication we decry. Individuality pierces each encounter, both only seeking to empower. Entangled, lost in translation, only seeking deeper revelation. Humanity keeps breaking through. Perspectives are just a field of view. And every time I wish I had a mic, I could just drop because <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about it. These these poems are so empowering to me, even though I think that maybe I paid a price to write them, uh, which I, I think that writing might be the purest form of just true deliverance if you can really embrace it. So there you go. Humanity. Breaking through. Right. I, like I like that line, humanity breaking through. That's right. That's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Real, we're going to be breaking through today to a place of empowerment. Just a couple of quick thoughts I'll discuss before we tell the kind of the story of how we landed on this uh, piece, piece of information. Of course, uh, as always, we like to tell you about our transformation workbook now, which is being used in many, many places uh, for discipleship and transformation. It's a four-week course uh, based on identity alignment, empowerment, and assignment. There's QR codes throughout the book, which gives you access to audio and video aids uh, to help you get through the book and also empower you to use it to lead transformational groups. And so uh, we're excited about it. You can find more information about this and other resources at lifeoffreedom.site. Also, there's a um, place there that you can take a free gift gifts assessment uh, on that website. And so that you can step into your identity. And so once again, that's lifeoffreedom.site. If you'd like to know more information about the prototype we're building in the state of Alabama, contending to transform a state, you can go to allinalabama.org. A couple of the uh, thoughts that we just want to talk about, biblical thoughts, when we're talking about Christianity and empowerment, which I think are very powerful, is we look at the early church, our spiritual forefathers. This is on page 111 in the workbook. We talk about uh, we're not known for what they believed, but how they behaved. 
I well, love I, that. I, I think that's the paradigm that we really have to embrace and possibly get back to as a foundational core value. I think that's absolutely a lot of what's lacking today. Because so much of the Christianity we're exposed to is more about what we believe rather than how we behave. And I love Acts eleven twenty six. It says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So they weren't even called Christians until this moment, and now they call them Christians. And what's even more revelatory from Bev's poem about the spirit of revelation is that the first Christians did not call themselves Christians. Well, it was a disparaging term. Well, other people called them Christians. Yes, it was disparaging. It wasn't a compliment. I mean, they they had relegated them to a following. And uh, the interesting thing is Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's the... uh, equivalent to rabbi at Christ. So they had deemed him a Christ, and that's where the word Christian came from, but not a compliment. Well, not a compliment on one level, but a very big compliment on the other level because they called them Christians because they acted like Christ, the Christ that they followed. And so it didn't make them popular. It's a compliment to us. Yes, it didn't make them popular for sure, but the actual uh, reason they were called Christians is they they acted like the Christ That's right. that had seen them before, who was a real disruptor for their uh, political and uh, religious agendas. And so we find it very interesting that uh, we write here on page 111 about this, that uh, they were named by outsiders, and they were named after his anointing, Christ, the word Christos in the Greek, which means anointed. So they were known for the anointing the Christ, that they would do the same power or release the same power, saw the same miracles happening as when Christ himself walked the earth. Well, and I love every aspect of that. And if Jesus were to show up in times like this, it would be very interesting to see how far that seed has gone Mm -hmm. and how many of us really are following Christ and demonstrating these supernatural acts the same way that he did. As Christians. Absolutely. This is the whole thought and point here is that the Christians were not called Christians because of what they believed, but because of how they behaved. That's right. They walked in an empowerment. They had received the Holy Spirit. They had received the power of God on the day of Pentecost so that they could walk in the same anointing and the Mm -hmm. same power that Jesus walked in. Well, and that's our hope, that this is is the empowerment that you are receiving. The second point that we want to make from the book today is that the church was not born at Passover, but the church was actually born at Pentecost. I find that a very revelatory point. When we teach only the message of forgiveness, we only stop halfway. Well, there's so much more. And I think that the whole point of the forgiveness is that he who is forgiven much loves much, which is a follower of Christ mandate to love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That is what our behavior is supposed to be demonstrating. Well, faith in this culture was not a, a noun. It was a verb. That's right. So that it was actually, if you look at the original, it was a faithing. So that we see action involved. And so I love what our friend Ed Silvoso says so powerfully. He talks about that uh, the reason that we don't see more empowerment in the church today is we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. We actually stay focused on the gospel of salvation 
uh, which is based on the past and the future. And so I think it's Luke 16, 6 that says, uh, from since John uh, or up till John, the law and the prophets were preached. But since then, the kingdom of God is being preached and men and women are pressing into it. And so we see when the gospel of salvation is preached, that has to deal more of the past and the future. Okay, yes, I'm forgiven of my sins, and we're very grateful for that. Yes, uh, I do have eternal life, and we do believe in the resurrection, but those are both the past and the future. And so what negates then is the kingdom of God is available right here, right now. In for the an, present. Yes, in ma'am. In the now, in this moment, as you need him, necessarily, right here. Because the Holy Spirit has been given the the ability to walk in the power of God as it is right here, right now, and so I think these are two powerful points on this concept of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Matthew eighteen says, "Where two or three are gathered in our name, whatever we pray, asking, believing, it will be done of our Father in heaven. And whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." The way Beverly and I, of course, we've always believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. We've always seen it manifested. Uh, most of our manifestations of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment we saw were in services, crusade services, uh, and one reason is because a large portion of our life we spent in only church services and crusades as we worked for Pastor Benny Hinn. We were day and night in meetings, but then the revelation came that the Holy Spirit actually, we realized, empowered us outside the four walls of the church. Well, and that was a key for us. And we we actually shared this the other night on a Zoom call. Kent really became a heat-seeking missile for people. I mean, just if he was going to pray for a person in a public forum, he was hoping that there were going to be other people that stepped up. And it really was supernatural how God did that. I mean, one, you would have a word of knowledge for someone in a public arena, and you would just say, hey, do you mind if I pray with you? And I don't think anybody ever turned you down. I don't think anybody ever said, no, you may not pray. And from there, the miracles just began. And of course, one of our favorite ones is right there sitting there. Um, oh, what's the restaurant? What's the restaurant? Um, Shoney's? Shoney's Restaurant by the Shoney's Salad Bar. Shoney's Big Boy. Oh, we've told, we've told this story so many times, but it's worth telling again. My nephew was there, and he had a little tattoo, the yin and the yang, and Kent was asking about it. And um, the manager of the restaurant was Muslim, and so he had a whole story about that and shared how he and his wife had been in pursuit of faith, mm-hmm. and they wanted to really understand God. She had become a Buddhist, and he had become a Muslim. And so as we were just right there by the salad bar, we were there with another friend of ours, and uh, you just said, may I pray for you? And, oh, my gosh, you prayed the most powerful prayer. And just that if if Jesus is the Son of God, that he would reveal himself to this man. I can't even tell you how powerfully the demonstration of the Holy Spirit showed up. I was blown back in the chair. You always share this part of my story, but I was literally blown back in the booth. Our friend was blown back. And this man went down on his knees and said, what is that? I have never felt anything like that in my life. And Kent said... That's the power of the Holy Spirit bearing witness that Jesus is the Son of God. And this uh, man uh, accepted Christ right there on the floor of Shoney's. And when Bev said was blown back... Like not mind blown. Oh, it like, was like a like train. Physically, the power of God came into the restaurant, and but not just like a regular train, but like a super rail. I mean, this was almost a, like a super 
sonic speed at which this happened. And I mean, this was probably 1991-ish, two-ish, three-ish, something like that. Mm, it's a mid, yeah, mid, that's a yeah, mid-90s, I'm yeah, sure. The, the, well, yes, early to mid-90s. And we just had not really had the opportunity to be out there praying for people like that. And it, it shifted something on the inside of us. It truly did. It shifted our understanding that we didn't have to, first of all, have beautiful worship, which is always lovely. We didn't have to have a word preached or taught. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to step forward. We didn't have to say a prayer. All, especially about salvation, all we had to do was ask Holy Spirit to come. It radically changed our lives, which is the whole point of Jesus coming to earth. He was radical. Well, it's the power of this. So this empowerment we've come to realize is basically our validation as Christians, right? Because yes. it's the it's the manifest presence of Jesus and unusual miracles. Yes, and this is what this empowerment is. We know by the power of the Holy Spirit, but basically, when you pray, something happens, something moves, and you just need to step out into that in faith. The language of this, Beverly and I, have uh, always carried it in our hearts, and we've had many supernatural experiences through the power of God. But the language of this empowerment came to us through our friend Ed Silvoso, who I met in a dream on January 3rd, 2018. God introduced me to him in a dream, and supernaturally, two weeks later, he was sitting here at our church with us. Uh, and he released the concept or the apostolic doctrine of the word ecclesia. This is from Matthew 16. It's probably the linchpin, if you will, in this empowerment section, because Jesus only mentioned the word twice in the whole of the scriptures, and he never told anybody how to build it or how to steward it. And so what happened is through Ed's revelation, that word ecclesia, the reason it didn't have to be explained was because everybody there knew what an ecclesia was. It wasn't a spiritual term or a governmental term. It was a term of empowerment, a governmental term. So Rome had sent an ecclesia to Palestine, a called-out group of people that were given the economic and military power of Rome to cause uh, Palestine to transform into the same culture and environment of Rome. So Jesus hints when he said, I will build an ecclesia. So he's saying, you've seen this happening already. Well, I will build an ecclesia and the ecclesia I will build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it because I will give you, the disciples, yes. the, keys the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Ed's revelation is because of that concept or understanding, you're empowered because no longer are you trying to build the church, or even convince people through theology like you need to belong to this. You literally use the keys That's and you right. open up the kingdom for people so that they can come out of uh, darkness and move into light, that they can come out of the bondage of Satan and come into the liberty of God. And so our empowerment is Jesus on the cross died went to hell, defeated Satan, shed his blood, forgave us of our sins, and now he has the keys. And now he has given us the keys to extend his kingdom and work until he returns. And so the church, I believe, Beverly and I believe, are at a new, fresh place of empowerment. Well, and I believe that the key, instead of just um, the models that have been in place, the key has always been there. And we believe very strongly in the church, but we believe that you are the church. We believe that you are the ecclesia, and we believe that buildings are are built 
so that you can come and share what has happened while you've been out there in the marketplace, that you come in and have corporate worship and are once again empowered to go right back out into the marketplace, continue whatever it is that you do that you you provide for your family for, what your income is produced by, what is your, your living, how you are out there working. And I shared this recently because if you have ever prayed for anyone, if you have ever comforted anyone, if you have ever just been in a, a a situation where you were speaking life to someone whose heart was broken or things had just fallen apart for them, you are ministering to that person. And most of the ministry that takes place around the globe takes place outside of the four walls of the church. That's right. You you are ministering in Every aspect of it without a pulpit, which makes it so much more convenient because that, unfortunately, has been the only model that has been represented, that you go to seminary, you learn theology, you learn doctrine, and the Lord just bypassed all of that in mine and your personal experience. I mean, we came into the ministry because... Pastor Benny Hinn recognized that there was an anointing on my husband's life, and he said, the Lord told him, you were going to be in the ministry with me right here. And so Kent went to church on a Sunday night, and he came back and he said, I'm a pastor. (laughs) And I said, well, how did that happen? He said, Pastor Benny said, God said, and well, I had a few other questions, but that's not important right now, but that is how we came into the ministry, and it broke a model, It because everyone else that was on that team, I yes. think, had been through- Traditional training. Through traditional training, and had been pastors of their own church. But we had an on-the-job skill set downloaded into us that we could have never learned in seminary, or even as just learning theology and doctrine as um, academics or studying. We practice this, and we learn the Word of God, and we learn to declare the Word of God into our atmosphere, and we learn to pray for people's salvation. We learn to pray for them to be delivered and healed and set free and empowered to then go and do exactly the same for others. That was our whole mandate, and I don't think we even realized it at the time. And then another pivotal piece of information from me, and this might be just slightly off topic, but... Paul Keith Davis really shifted my whole concept and understanding of praying for people. He shared here in 2005 that the Lord had downloaded him, that there is no distance in prayer, Mm -hmm. and that when the Lord gives you a word of knowledge, that you should go ahead and declare that word into the atmosphere and declare it over that person. And then if the Lord gives you that opportunity to see them in person, then of course the laying on of hands, that's very biblical, it's very scriptural, and there is power and empowerment in that, but you also have the authority to decree and declare the word and to release it because once that seed has left your hand, it will not return void. Your words will not return void. And I found that to be the most empowering concept. And it was a true key for me. It changed the way that I prayed mm. because I would hold on to words of knowledge. And because I have a prophetic seer gift, I take on 
beyond so much of what is in the atmosphere. And I would have a word of knowledge, and then I would literally begin to demonstrate the symptoms of that, what, wow. whether it was um, a migraine or whether it was uh, esophageal reflux or whether it was heart pains or organ failure, I mean, whatever the word of knowledge was, if I did not release it, then I would hold on to that. So I learned to release that before I would ever come into a church service or as soon as the Lord gave it to me and it was completely liberating and empowered me in a spiritual way, in a connection. Uh, and we call it now, we call it the thin place where God can come mm. and dwell. And that part of the ministry that God has called us to is so crucial because we're not, you are going to come into so many contact with so many more people in your sphere of influence and in your realms than Kent and I may. We're not going to meet the same people group that you are, just like you're not going to meet the same people group that we meet. However, you have a key that when the Lord shows you something, you don't have to wait until you're right there with that person. And I think it's very important to understand that. That radically changed the way that I pray. Wasn't that tied to a vision of a woman praying? It was a, like in a, her home? a much older intercessor. And Paul Keith could hear her. He saw her in her prayer closet. And it was a real key for him, too, because we had all been indoctrinated into the same right. belief system that you release the word when you lay hands, you prophesy when you're with the person. And so it was a real key of transformation and empowerment for me to begin to decree and declare into the atmosphere. And once again, to uh, as just as uh, Ephesians 6, when you've got on your whole armor of God and you've done all to withstand, then you stand. And we understand we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but with spiritual wickedness and powers and principalities in high places. And this is what brings these strongholds down. This is what disengages them from having control over people's lives. When the Lord shows you something and gives you a word like that, you are automatically releasing the power for those people to be delivered and to begin to walk in wholeness, health, freedom, liberty, all of the things that Jesus Christ died for us to have. So whether you're a homemaker or a housewife and you're Whatever. praying in your bedroom your or grandmother and you're, you're praying there, you are the ecclesia. You are empowered to release those words into the atmosphere to see literally territories shifted in changes and generations, whether you're a businessman, whether you're a teacher or an educator, whether you're a pastor or an employer, you're to be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit and to live out the kingdom culture, thereby infusing it with the values of the kingdom. And one key for us is we stop viewing things as sacred or secular. We evaluate all facets of culture as redeemed. Uh, everything's redeemed. The marketplace is redeemed. Humanity is redeemed. The Culture earth is, is redeemed. redeemed. The, the earth is, re is redeemed. redeemed. Yes. And all we're doing is we're carrying out the empowerment of decreeing and declaring what has already been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Hence, we have the keys to the kingdom to unlock businesses, marriages, families, 
individuals, churches into their destiny, into their purpose, because we've been empowered by Christ to be the ecclesia, the governing body in the earth. And so there's so much more we can talk about that today. It's just a vast subject, but we really believe the Holy Spirit is ready to move his church, his ecclesia into a whole different mindset. Listen carefully as you listen to preachers and teachers and what you read here now in the future. You'll you'll start hearing this term, (coughs) excuse me, over and over, ecclesia. Ecclesia, Ecclesia. Uh, Dr. Ed Savoso carried this, pioneered it for years, but now it's becoming a a, a modern day term well, in the movement. culture. It's it a, is a, it's true a powerful movement, movement. To, to, to ensure that people are being empowered outside of the four walls of the church. And uh, for years, we've had the opportunity to minister, <coughs> and we were trained at the end of the service. You, you pray for people, words of wisdom are released, uh, words of knowledge, uh, the laying on of hands, uh, counseling, uh, all of that. And about 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me very clearly and said, if they cannot pray for one another in church, how are they ever going to be empowered to pray outside of these four walls? So I embarked upon a training session in each opportunity that I had to minister the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just began to encourage everyone right there instead of the Holy Spirit giving me a word and me imparting that word. I asked them to receive their own words and to begin to lay hands and to pray for one another and to be trained as true disciples and to take that anointing with them as they left the building. (laughs) You have left the building. The ecclesia is now in the marketplace. I didn't have that language then, but to the very best of my ability, I trained as many people as I could right there within the four walls of the church at every opportunity to loose the power of God, to receive what Holy Spirit was sharing and then impart it and then receive it. And it was really empowering, not only for them, but for me as well, to watch it take place and to watch people. And I I would literally have to ask them, and I would preface it this way, if you want, if you want to do something differently, you're going to have to take a step of faith, and you're going to have to do some things differently. And I would encourage each one of them, because there was so much fear attached mm, to that, yeah. that they would step outside of themselves. And I would ask them to literally just take one step step forward. And as they would step forward, they just, it's like going into the waters of revelation. You're toe deep, you're ankle deep, you're knee deep, you're hip deep. And then before you know it, it's to your chest. And then you're just over your head. And the Holy Spirit is just moving and shifting and transforming and empowering and changing. And I would watch it happen over and over again as that anointing would rest on them. And they began to declare the word of the Lord. And their lives were radically changed. I've had so many testimonies about that. They were just terrified. They were like, I couldn't believe the pressure. But then, but then God stepped in and everything shifted and changed. And so I think it was a true empowerment that they took right with them out of those buildings and continued to manifest. Fear is the number one stop, the thing that stops the gifts because 
uh, Paul told Timothy, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound, sound mind. Therefore, stir up that, of the gift of God that's on the inside of you. So we're going to have that your grandmother had. We're going to have we're going to have <laughs> Bev pray for us to stir us up in just a moment and release us into this giftedness as she was talking about. The one, the one of the last revelations we'll talk about empowerment. We really believe COVID, the crisis that the world, global world, endured. Uh, it it basically began to reveal to us that God was doing something so much larger and bigger than the church. And the biggest revelation is that God isn't just for Christians and against everyone else. The truth is God loves the whole world. And so we've got to be empowered in this season to step outside of the traditional four walls of the church and be the light into the world. God said, I didn't give you the light so you could hide it under a bushel uh, or to hide it under a box or in a house, but I've called you as a light to be a city set on a hill. And I really believe that darkness is demanding now that we get past our fears, get past our complacency, find the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and step out and begin to shine like we've never shined before. Isaiah 60, I believe we're living in it right now, when gross darkness covers the whole earth, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God shall be seen upon you. So, Bev, if you would just pray a power, a prayer of empowerment for us today before we go. I, I'm, by the way, that was awesome. That was really, that. I loved every second of that. Father God, your word tells us in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes on him, they shall have eternal life. We are every single one of us whosoever's. And whether or not you know it, the light of the living God lives on the inside of you and gross darkness cannot hide it forever. That light is breaking out, breaking through and shining on earth all of those that you are in relationship with. And it may be just one little crack at a time, but that's where life begins. When things begin to crack and break and all of the dry places and all of the dry bones begin to begin knit together and begin to rise up and this army that God is putting together so that gross darkness will not cover the earth, but that the light of the living God will shine through us. We are a city set on a hill. Each and every one of us, whosoever believes that, let your light shine. Let your love shine because it is the love of God that draws men to him. You are the love of God made manifest. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. It doesn't matter what you're in right now. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. All that matters is that you recognize that you are created in the image of a loving God. He created you. He designed you. You are so unique and so special to God that he has downloaded you with so many gifts. And just because the enemy has tried to kill you, destroy you, take you out, you think there's a death knell over you because you've gotten stuck in some habit or some design that has not put you in the place where you are manifesting your gifts, that does not negate those gifts. Those gifts are just waiting to be redeemed and restored and released into the marketplace. 
place and the living God is doing it even now. Break out, break out, break out, break out of the darkness, begin to live in the light. And even now I feel it. I feel it happening as my voice is going forward. People are beginning to see it. They know that this season in their lives has not been designed for them to die, but for them to live and to come forward and begin to shed abroad the love of God that has been downloaded, deposited on the inside of you. Now be empowered to release it. Let every single hindrance go. The strong man is bound. How can you enter into a house if you don't take the strong man? Your strong man is now bound and the blessings of the Lord are now going to begin to spring forth in Jesus' mighty name. Receive it. Believe it. You've heard it. Now let it penetrate your heart. Let it take root. Know who you are. You've already been identified. You've already been aligned. Now be empowered to go forth in the word of the living God because you are a whosoever and whosoever believes shall live and not die in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. That was a prayer, a prophecy, a message, and everything in one. A oh, bam, it's a bam, breakthrough. Bam, bam. It's a breakthrough anointing. We are breaking through. We're not staying where we are. We are not being stuck. The fetters have been let loose. We might have been held in captivity, but we're not in bondage. We're free. So begin to walk in your freedom. Be empowered. Go tell somebody. Go tell it on the mountain. If I could sing, I'd sing that <laughs> song to you. Go tell it. And remember, you are that city that is set upon a hill. Let your light shine. Don't let any of the oppressive darkness that surrounds you oppress you any longer. You are free, and God has called you for such a time as this. Amen. Armies raising up, transformational army. If you'd like to be a part of this transformational experience, you can go to lifeoffreedom.site. Tells you a free a, a free spot there to find your identity assessment. Also, you can uh, get a hold of the workbook or more information, video teachings, etc. We have lots of resources and tools. There's a community of transformation community that's forming. Uh, you can find out more about that if you'd like to know more about the prototype. As we're continuing to move through the state of Alabama, you can go to allinalabama.org. So, transformation site, uh, lifeoffreedom.site allinalabama.org. Thank you so much for your time, Beverly. It was awesome. Thank you for everything that you prayed over us today, and we're walking in it now. And we just decree Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So let's use the keys and unlock the kingdom in this season and be empowered in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.